0: So you've heard some voices from the 21st century about what God is doing in the life of the local church. But over the past uh, three weeks, four weeks, you've also heard voices from the first century about what God is doing in the local church. We can learn from um, the church that we read about in Acts through Luke's pen. We can learn uh, from the sermon that we hear in the book of Hebrews. We can learn even about a church in crisis and in duress from the words of of John and the vision that John was given from the book of Revelation. And throughout Paul's writings, we we get a snapshot of what was going on around the various uh, regions in that part of the world, Uh, not the least of which was the church in Corinth. What a a vibrant, hopping place, port city place that was. I think I would have enjoyed it very much. a church was started there. And so from the second letter to the church in Corinth, we have today's scripture lesson. Listen for the word of the Lord. Paul says, "What I mean is this: the one who sows a small number of seeds will also reap a small crop, and the one who sows a generous amount of seeds will reap a generous crop. Everyone should give whatever they have decided to give in their heart. They should not give with hesitation or because of pressure." God loves a cheerful giver. God has the power to provide you with more than enough of every kind of grace. That way, you will have everything you always need and everything to provide you more than enough for every kind of good work. Because as it is written, he scattered everywhere. He gave to the needy and his righteousness remains forever. The one who supplies seed for planting and bread for eating will supply and multiply your seed and will increase your crop, which is righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. Your ministry of generosity to God's people isn't only fully meeting their needs, but it is also multiplying in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. They will give honor to God for your obedience to your confession of Christ's gospel. They will do this because this service provides evidence of your obedience and because of your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. They will pray for you. And they will care deeply for you because of the outstanding grace that God has given you. Thank God for his gift that words cannot even describe. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. On this uh, Thanksgiving Sunday, I want to express my profound thanks to several groups who would never, ever ask for recognition, but who are so deserving and they work so hard behind the scenes to make ministry possible it is not lost on me being thanksgiving sunday that over these past eight and a half months it has been a joint collective team effort to do what we have done here not only through worship but all through also through feeding ministries and and supply line ministries and music ministries and park ministries and drop off and pick up ministries our staff for example they work tirelessly They amass so many hours during the day and the week and over these past months that it should not be lost on any of us. Our teachers in the schools, our directors, our custodial team, our program staff, not only are they dreamers and innovators, but they'll roll up their sleeves and get in and make ministry happen for the kingdom of God. Our clergy team, Jillian and Lucas, Jason and Ben, they arise very early. They work very late into the night. To make sure that we're connecting together and the community remains connected together. James and Josh are the cream of the crop, amen, and they lead us so fabulously, as do our choir, each and every single week. There's a couple of guys up here in this tower where this light is Uh, Joe Bryan and Chris Eccles. They make our production of worship possible through that three inch camera. uh, Lens right up here, we are reaching 29 countries and 42 states. We are reaching thousands and thousands of people because of a production team who has said yes to Jesus and is willing to offer their talents to the church. You couple all of that with our lay leadership teams, and all of us ask a a pretty common question around here what's next? What is God up to next? in this world to help FUMC remain vibrant and strong. That's a beautiful thing for which I am quite thankful. There's not a lot of organizations that are asking what's next in a positive light these days. They're asking what's next, you know, right? Our team says, what's next, Lord? We're your bride and we're ready. There's one additional group That is you, the congregation, First United Methodist Church, from wherever you are this this very moment. Um, And I give thanks to God for you every single day of the week. I'm often left speechless by your random acts of kindness and certainly your words of encouragement, the way that you are connecting church and community over and over again, and your generosity is just humbling. You have and are enduring this great ordeal and this time of of exile and you're doing it with such patience and grace for which I give thanks to God on this Thanksgiving Sunday. I know we're growing weary. We have COVID fatigue at this point and many are saying we're doing things too quickly and others are saying we're not doing them quickly enough and somewhere here the church falls in between because we're trying to lead our community and flatten the curve but also keep people And I just want to say thank you for your endurance and for your patience and for your prayers. What I believe is that we're in the late third quarter, maybe we're in the fourth quarter. The clock is going to run out on this pandemic. These vaccines, they look really promising. And I think when it's all said and done, the annals of our history will record that we endured this together, that we got through it with love and with hope, that we survived all of this by asking, what's next, Lord? We're ready to go where you are ready to lead us. So all that to say, I'm adopting a habit of saying thank you for all that you're doing and for being the church. In West Africa... There's a tribe called the Maasai people, M A S A I. I don't know if you've heard of them. But when the Maasai people want to express a word of thanks to someone else, what they do is they go before, they position themselves in front of that person, and they place their foreheads in the dirt. And they literally say, my head is in the dirt. That is their expression of thanks. There's another tribe in Africa, as I have learned, and they do something similar. When they want to return uh, an act of gratitude, you know, if you think about gratitude as an outward expression of thankfulness, or if somebody does you a favor and you want to return that favor, there's an act of gratitude involved. Then that particular person will sit outside the tent or the hut of the person who provided the favor or to whom is due the expression of gratitude? And they say this I sit on the ground before you. My head is in the dirt. I sit on the ground before you. Are two expressions of thankfulness and gratitude we can glean from these African tribes because they're centered on an important word, I believe. That word is humility. We might say it a little differently as a church. We might say, we are thankful and are willing to bend a knee before our God from whom all blessings flow and to whom all things ultimately return anyway. So part of what we're seeing today or part of what we're challenging ourselves to see today is that our thankfulness during this season of Thanksgiving, during the beginning of this time of giving, between now and the end of the year, it's a posture. It's a posture of humility that figuratively or maybe otherwise, you want to put your forehead on the ground to say, God, my head is in this dirt. I don't deserve what you have given me, but I'm willing with a thankful heart to give back to you. I understand that saying thank you Doing something like making a pledge during a pandemic requires, requires courage. And so maybe in thinking about our head in the dirt, our knees bent, our, I'm sitting before our God, and we combine those two things. And maybe we think about Thanksgiving as courageous humility. Courageous humility. Courageous humility. In the first century, Paul was writing to this church in Corinth. It was quite an interesting church on the port city. A lot of money, a lot of new money uh, was there. And somewhere amid this uh, empire-driven, pluralistic, anything-goes society, there was a church, a band of Christians who sometimes got crossed up with one another about who's in charge, how we're going to govern ourselves, what do we do? How do we do it? And it was very easy to get off track. It was very easy to get off point. It was very easy to get off mission, off focus. So they got a letter, a love letter from Papa Paul. And within that letter, Paul is uh, writing these, these Christians, and he says something that sounds so paradoxical. He says to this huddled mass of Christians in this crazy society, your ministry of generosity to God's people, it's not only meeting the needs of those who have needs, but it's also expressing your thanks to God. Generosity, giving back to God, this posture of humility, courageous humility, is an expression of thankfulness to God. And then Paul says, this community whom you are serving will give honor to God for your obedience to your confession of Christ's gospel. Now, what is that phrase? Confession of Christ's gospel. What does that mean? Well, I think it means that despite all else that's going on in this world, despite these unprecedented times, we we stay committed to our mission. That we're going to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who change the world, who change the world. We're going to invest in future generations, as Rebecca mentioned because disciples' beget disciples, life begets life. Seeds of hope breed more seeds of hope. The Common English Bible uses an important word to convey what Paul is teaching. It uses this word obedience. Our obedience to Jesus Christ through the church is revealed by how we order, how we prioritize, how we reorder, how we reprioritize our lives into the healthy habits that we maintain And that occurs through our generosity of our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. God's people give so that others may have hope. I hope you took time this week and and in the coming days, I hope you'll spend some time with this. You know how I know that God is is working in this church? It's, It's more than just budgetary numbers, right? It's really when it boils down to it, it's not really about membership as much as it is discipleship. If you want to get to the heart of the matter of what stewardship is all about. Did you know that in one year's time during this pandemic, that a hundred people, a hundred people have connected with this church, either by profession of faith or by transferring their membership. Not bad for a pandemic I think what we're seeing in our obedience to the mission of Christ and staying on point obviously is going to require sacrifice, us giving a portion of our time and our talents and our treasure. Today's sermon title is interesting. I don't know if you noticed that in your bulletin or not. Give until it hurts, and then parenthetically, then give a little bit more. Where did that come from? Well, that came from a football coach of mine. (laughs) Jay, you can give a little bit more than you're giving. Coaches know how to really extract that from a player, right? Or maybe even a musician, you know, a, a, a vocal coach or an instrumental. Uh, one more repetition, one more sprint, one more squat. Because, Jay, I know that theres you can do a little bit more than you think you can, even though I'm doubled over asking for the O2 and the Gatorade, right? I know you can do a little bit more. Coaches have a way of, of doing that. I don't know if that if that really translates into into discipleship, but what I've learned from personal experience and what I've learned from from many of your stories is that I'm always a little, I can always do a little bit more than I I believe I'm capable of doing. I don't think we always use the enough words. I'm not talented enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not wealthy enough. I'm not this or that enough, all of which God's grace counters and says, yes, you are. My grace is sufficient for you. And because we believe in that truth, you are enough. And God gives enough. So when I hear Matt and Abby's story, I think about the fact that Matt was standing here two weeks ago. And um, while he was standing here, he had his cell phone in his hand, in his pocket. Amen. And while he was standing here, he had his cell phone in his pocket because Abby was expected to deliver their second child, Sloan Olivia, whose name we just called. She was born very healthily uh, this past Wednesday. And and Matt said, you know, I, I thought about it. I prayed about it. I know Matt and Abby and Harper and Sloan Olivia are watching right now. And Matt said, no, I need to be there. I can carve out a little bit of time to be there because this is important for people to hear this word of witness. You heard Maggie say that. I've heard Jason and Rebecca articulate that, that we can all take a little step forward to reorder and reprioritize our lives with some time, some talents, our treasure. Just prior to this section of Corinthians, Paul says something that I think is very important to today. He reminded the church that God's work in God's world under God's reign is happening whether we decide to participate in it or not. Now think about that. God's work is going to happen whether we decide to participate in it or not. So when we think about making a pledge, a commitment for a whole year, that's a long time. It's really more about a lifetime commitment. When we think about making that type of of commitment, we don't ask the question, well, how much is it going to cost to pay the preacher and keep the lights on? That's the wrong question. The question is, do I want to partner with God to help redeem this world? And if so, at what level? Because the local church is the hope for the world. It's the bride of Jesus Christ. Or rather, if I reorder my life so that Christ comes first, how much more redemption could happen? How much more change could come because I've returned a portion that already belongs to God? Paul says... Don't give because anyone's putting pressure on you. I hear you, Paul. But God loves a cheerful giver. We get to be a part of the wonder-working power of Jesus Christ together, and that brings me so much joy and so much hope and fills my heart with thanksgiving. The final thing I want to say is this. I love the the images of all of this fruit and all of these vegetables. They all started from a a seed, right? Right? So, I'm just wondering about a couple of words our inspiration for doing what we do and our motivation for doing what we do as a church. Because I think when the seeds of inspiration and the seeds of motivation are planted and the Holy Spirit waters them, then God begins to grow the fruit of transformation. When the seeds of inspiration and motivation are planted and watered by the Holy Spirit, God brings about the fruit of transformation. And that's happening every single day because of this congregation, for whom I am extremely thankful.